Let's pray. O come, O come, Emmanuel, God with us. Indeed, God be with us and save us from this broken world. Open our hearts and minds to hear your word, to live your word, to learn, live, and share your word. Amen. Does anybody remember Debbie Downer from Saturday Night Live a few years ago? It's sort of an iconic character. We uh, would find uh, Debbie usually at an otherwise upbeat social occasion, yet all Debbie can think of is something really depressing. This sure is a great Thanksgiving, someone might say, and the turkey's wonderful. But you see, Debbie Downer happens to be at this Thanksgiving gathering. So her comment, of course, would be, did you know that every year, the day after Thanksgiving, 5,000 people die of a heart attack because they ate too much? Well, with comments like that, pretty soon no one wants Debbie around at all. Uh, we've all known folks like that, right? <laughs> well. The prophet Jeremiah was, normally at least, kind of a Debbie Downer. You see, Jeremiah was known for telling the truth that needed to be said, not the one that people wanted to hear. Now, the people of Judah, especially the rich and powerful, had become captives to their own moral and spiritual blindness. So Jeremiah would say to his king, at the time of our writing today, King Zedekiah. You know, king, you might like your power, but soon you won't have any because the Babylonians are knocking on our door and they will invade us and take us over. And God won't stop them this time because we have been unfaithful to God for generations. And indeed, in the year 587 B.C., the Babylonians did invade, first occupying Jerusalem, starving them, and then sending its citizens into exile for 70 years. Or Jeremiah would say to the wealthy, oh, you're having a great party that never seems to end, but you will soon pay the price for ignoring the poor in your streets and mistreating your foreign neighbors, for God demands justice and compassion for the marginalized and hospitality for the stranger." Prophets like Jeremiah were not invited to parties much. They didn't show up at Thanksgiving. They were even imprisoned for being so incessantly negative. And yet, the situation Jerusalem found itself in <laughs> was really negative. They were captives to their own sin and to the Babylonians. Soon, they would be exiled from their land. This is Advent, my friends, and though the particulars are different, we too, we as Christians believe, are captives and exiles amidst the cheery Christmas carols, bright lights, busy stores and holiday parties. A most uh, dire assessment lurks from the word of God. We too are captives to something that is destroying us. We too are exiled 
from our true selves. Save us, Lord. And so we wait. Now, interestingly, Jeremiah was born, uh, well, not born, uh, I was thinking of Jesus, I guess, born. Getting ahead a few weeks. Jeremiah was in prison when he wrote today's lesson. Now, he may have been in prison for being a Debbie Downer, but like any good prophet who channels the voice and heart of God, Jeremiah was about to pivot, and in a big way. And that is what our lesson is about today. No more Debbie Downer, as important as that voice was. It was time for good news. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Okay. This was at pretty much the darkest time in their history. So Jeremiah was both deeply troubled and deeply hopeful. Despite Jeremiah's grim assessment of the broken world in which he lived, he dared to suggest that God would save them. A righteous branch would spring up from the tree of David, and this branch, the king, will execute righteousness and justice in the land. Judah will be saved and live in safety. Why? Because God loved them and he would never leave them. And you don't have to wait until Jesus to get that message. It's all over the Old Testament as well. Justice and righteousness are twin themes for Jeremiah that tell us about what God is up to and how God regards us. It is nothing less than a new creation. I would like to just take the rest of this sermon examining righteousness and justice that is at once our salvation and a challenge and invitation to us as well. I recently watched the movie Won't You Be My Neighbor, a documentary about Fred Rogers, the creator and star of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Any Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood fans here? Anybody grow up watching Mr. Rogers? or perhaps you did with your grandkids or whatever. Um, just like Jeremiah, Mr. Rogers did not, for all of his sunny misdemeanor, uh, uh, demeanor, he did not shield children from the truth about our world, right? That there was brokenness and hatred and heartbreak out there. He would address themes like divorce and even assassination when RFK was assassinated. Uh, right on the show, in this gentle children's show. But he would offer them the hope of a different way of being in the world. Through it all, he was not only sending a powerful message to kids, right? He was sending an equally powerful and humbling message to the adults of our world about justice and righteousness, particularly of a sort that can save us from ourselves. 
a justice and righteousness that comes straight from Jeremiah and from Jesus. It's been said that justice is what love looks like in the public sector. I like that. It gets right. When racism divides and dehumanizes people, that is not only injustice. It diminishes us all and holds us captive to hatred and to tribalism. Fred Rogers, back in 1969, had... uh, a police officer on his show on a regular basis. Anybody remember the name of the police officer? Officer Clemens. And what race was Officer Clemens? He was African American. One episode, he invited Officer Clemens to take his shoes off and join him in a kid's pool. This was more than a cute event and a warm fuzzy. It was an act of justice. It was also a baptism. Let's take a look at that scene. In a world that holds us captive to the idea that black people and white people are over against one another and shouldn't share a stinking swimming pool, Mr. Rogers said otherwise. As Nick talked about in our Advent event last night, we Christians are countercultural. Mr. Rogers certainly was in that episode and on a regular basis. By sharing a pool, Mr. Rogers was proclaiming the justice of God that reminds us that all cultures and ethnicities have a shared humanity that ought to be celebrated and affirmed. And he also was conducting a baptism right there because he's bearing witness to a new creation, a new way of being in the world where people are in mutual and supportive community with one another. Has there ever been a time when we need that more than now? How, too, can we bear witness to this message? A message, a word that saves us from ourselves. And there is the word righteousness. The word righteousness is often misunderstood. We might think of it as roughly, you know, someone who's righteous is holier than thou. Usually they think they're holier than thou, right? And we always know people like that, and and usually they're not necessarily helpful. Biblically, righteousness means essentially, roughly translated, love. Not some static quality of purity removed from all things that are not pure. It's it's almost the opposite. It's love that gets in and gets the hands dirty for, for the sake of neighbor and the one that is loved. It means a love that declares the inherent and unique value of each one of us. Jeremiah and Jesus both remind us that God will never, ever abandon us, but rather will save us from a world, what kind of world? A world that enslaves others and kicks people to the margins, neglects the poor and, the disen- and disenfranchises outcasts, and frankly sends a message to any of us that we are not worth much, really, unless we can measure up to this standard or that standard or whatever. And as a result, many of us don't feel very good about ourselves. But because of the righteousness of God, 
because we are the apple of God's eye, there is a different result. There is a Savior that has come to us. And God comes to us because God loves us no matter how much we stumble, no matter how much we are hurt. God will even bear the weight of this broken world in order to deliver that message to us. That's the love that gives of itself to us in the muck of this life. That is righteousness. Righteousness gives life or it is not righteousness at all. We need this message because we live in a world that breaks us down with the message that we are not enough, that we are not quite right, that we don't fit in. It was clear that the puppet Daniel the Tiger in Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was Fred's alter ego. So the brokenness and doubt that Fred felt along with the rest of the world was given voice by Daniel including wondering sometimes if he, Daniel, was a mistake. Lady Aberlin had a response for Daniel. Well, that's what righteousness is. There's our brokenness sitting right there. Hard to shake it. We keep singing it because it's real. But there's another voice that... There's another voice that tells the truth that none of us is a mistake. That's what it means to be saved. And it's to be told that we are united by Christ as one human family of people who are not mistakes. Uh, the apple of God's eye. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Save us from our exile and our captivity. Amen.